And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the podcast you've all been waiting for, Legacy Story with Adam Solomini. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. All right. I personally think I have an awesome show for you today. But first, I want to thank all the listeners, especially those who have uh, reached out with some ideas, some requests of legacy stories that they would like to hear. You too can contact me at legacystorypodcast at infinancer.com. And let me know what you think about this episode, previous episodes, or maybe an episode that you'd like to hear. Anyways, my name is Adam Solomini, and this is my podcast, Legacy Story. Ultimately, this podcast is meant to rekindle your own legacy story memories and ignite a desire to create more. Have you ever watched the show Alone on the History Channel? It's a reality show, actually, a, a contest. If you haven't, what they do is they choose a place that isn't too friendly for humans and they drop off 10 or so self-proclaimed survival experts or survivalists into this area. They are miles and miles apart from each other, of course, and I don't believe they've ever encountered another contestant. They essentially are given about five square miles of land to figure out how to survive alone. They have a sleepy bag, a tarp, a cooking pot, as well as some other basic supplies, and they are allowed to choose 10 survival items. Most choose a bow and arrow, as no guns are allowed, a fishing apparatus of some sort, an axe, a fire starter, a knife, paracord, and some other things. Those are the survival supplies that they typically choose. So they're dropped off, and they have to build a shelter and provide their own food from the land, and... Here's the kicker, if they are the last person standing to get a cash prize. I believe last season or maybe two seasons ago, it was $1 million, but they had to survive for 100 days minimum and also outlast everyone else to achieve that award. Oh, and another thing, uh, they are provided with a case full of camera and microphone equipment. Yep, they have to document everything they do by themselves and the satellite phone just in case they have to tap out for medical or mental reasons. Essentially, this contest documents the hell of surviving alone in the middle of nowhere, and it is fantastically amazing. Now, I have been a camper and loved hiking since I was little. I've gone on long backpacking trips in the woods. I've gone on backpacking trips with special forces guys, but alone with just a few things to survive with, uh, usually in a place with snow and bears and ice where food becomes scarce. It's a whole new level. Now, I can hear the armchair survivalists now. Oh, it's easy. All you have to do is build a really nice strong shelter. And if you have a fire and a sleeping bag, you're good to go. You can get all the food you want. Well, this show kind of dispels that for the most part. I mean, there are some extremely gifted individuals who do this sort of training. They help others and they train others for a living. And then they go into this show and they are amazing at what they do. And they sometimes do make it look easy. 
but something as simple as a uh, badly sprained ankle when you're alone, an infection from a cut when you're alone, or losing 30 pounds in about two months because you're alone and having to do all of this on your own. Imagine trying to build a cabin like some people say that they would do while living on berries and moss and some sort of evergreen tea. Anyways, I hadn't watched a show for a few seasons and really don't watch more than one television show a night if I'm lucky. Uh, usually a few hour-long shows a week is what I watch. But I got back into watching this one because of the vulnerability of the situation and the ingenuity of these humans to find a way to survive all by themselves. The show got me into thinking about how, although not alone, many people around the world survive today. How they triumphed in the past while exploring or moving from one land to another. And yes, even Native Americans came here from other lands and had to adapt when they arrived. What really piqued my interest were the people who these survivalists learned from. The legacy story of bushcraft educators. The people who lived it and taught others. So let's get into the people and some quick facts of each who made their mark in bushcraft and survivalist history, and even some in the present that you may or may not have heard of. Where to start? Where to start? How about Alexander Selkirk? Selkirk was a Scottish privateer and Royal Navy officer who spent four years and four months as a castaway from 1704 to 1709 after being marooned by his captain on an uninhibited island in the South Pacific Ocean. What happened was Selkirk was sailing on a ship captained by Thomas Stradling, and his ship stopped to resupply at the uninhabited Juan Fernandez Islands west of South America. The problem for Alexander is he felt the ship was unseaworthy, and he asked to be left there. He did this anticipating that he would be picked up fairly soon by another ship. By the time he was eventually rescued, Selkirk had become a master at hunting and making use of the resources that he found on the island. His story was actually a source of inspiration for writer Daniel Defoe and his fictional character Robinson Crusoe. Next, John Muir. Now this particular gentleman and his legacy is close to my heart. Now, I had mentioned earlier that I had gone on multiple backpacking trips, and one of those backpacking trips was a five-day, 50-mile backpacking trip along the John Muir Trail. And right now, in my office, as I record this, I'm looking at a picture frame with a quote, and it says, The mountains are calling, and I must go. A quote by John Muir. I also have the t-shirt, just in case you were wondering. Now, John Muir, also known as John of the Mountains, and father of the national parks, was an influential Scottish-American, a naturalist, an author, an environmental philosopher, botanist, zoologist, glaciologist, and early advocate for the preservation of wilderness in the United States of America. If you get a chance, I suggest that you read some of his letters or essays or books describing his adventures in nature. He really made his mark in the Sierra Nevada, and his activism helped to preserve the Yosemite Valley and Sequoia National Park, one of my favorite areas to go backpacking or hiking or camping. He actually co-founded the Sierra Club. Nature photographer Ansel Adams often quoted him. He built a small cabin along Yosemite Creek 
and designed it so that a section of the stream flowed through a corner of the room so he could enjoy the sound of running water. Now, he didn't stay just in the Sierra Nevada. He also explored Alaska and British Columbia. It is safe to say that John Muir has inspired many people to spend extended time in nature, live off the land, learn the land, and also preserve it. Next, Enos Mills. Enos Mills is best known for being the father of Rocky Mountain National Park. He was an author, photographer, nature guide, innkeeper, lecturer, and adventurer. By the time he was 35, he could boast that he had a campfire in every state and territory in the Union, including Canada and Alaska. Often he traveled alone, and occasionally he would travel with people he met along the way. No matter where he went, he kept journals of his adventure, and for many years attempted to get published. And when he finally was published, his books took off. His first major book was in 1909 and entitled Wildlife on the Rockies. His second book, The Spell of the Rockies, was his bestseller. He wrote more than 18 books, all of which are nonfiction. I'm sure many of you have heard of the Lewis and Clark Expedition. A member of that expedition was John Coulter. John Coulter was actually the first European to enter Yellowstone and also see the Teton mountain range. He spent months alone in the wilderness and is widely considered to be the first known mountain man. Numerous locations in northwestern Wyoming have been named after him, notably Coulter Bay and Coulter Peak. Now we can't forget about Davy Crockett, right? Davy Crockett was an American folk hero, frontiersman, soldier, and politician. He's commonly referred to as the king of the wild frontier. Another thing that he is also known for is his staunch opposition to many of the policies of President Andrew Jackson, especially the Indian Removal Act. Crockett, of course, died during the battle at the Alamo. Let's talk about Sir Ernest Henry Shackleton, a gentleman who attempted to cross Antarctica on foot. This attempt resulted in his crew spending about two years attempting to survive in that harsh environment. There's also Jedediah Smith, who was the first European to cross Nevada, explore Utah, and enter California by land. I mean, if your name is Jedediah, you have to be a mountain man, right? In another amazing journey that he took, he also came back from California across the desert of the Great Basin, and the heat became so unbearable that Smith and his men had to bury themselves in sand in order to keep cool. On his second expedition, he was actually attacked by a grizzly bear who threw him to the ground, smashing his ribs and literally ripped off his scalp. Uh, after two weeks of rest, uh, Smith resumed his duty as captain of the expedition party. In one of his memoirs, he wrote, I started into the mountains with the determination of becoming a first-rate hunter, of making myself thoroughly acquainted with the character and habits of the Indians, of tracing out the sources of the Columbia River and following it to its mouth, and of making the whole profitable to me, and I have perfectly succeeded. He actually retired from mountain life and purchased a farm and townhouse complete with servants in St. Louis, Missouri. However, he would have to make one more trip into the wilds of the Southwest as he had sold his shares in the Rocky Mountain Fur Company and agreed to help procure supplies for the subsequent owners. He left in the spring of 1831 and while looking for water on the Santa Fe Trail, 
he was killed by Comanche warriors. Of course, more closer to modern times, there are famous survival experts like Richard Pronecki, well known for his documentary Alone in the Wilderness. He takes the viewer through his 30-year stay in the woods. He simply found a place, built a cabin, and stayed. We can't forget about Richard Graves. He founded and led the Australian Jungle Rescue Detachment, which was responsible for 300 rescues. His survival skills allowed for every mission to be successful. He later went on to run a bushcraft school and publish 10 books. Another Australian, Ricky McGee, survived 70 days on insects until he was found by farmhands after being left for dead in the Australian outback. McGee said that he baked in the day and froze at night. He created temporary shelters from the sun out of old branches and eventually found a decrepit windmill. McGee said that he made a little humpy or a bark hut out of a feed trough that was at some cattle yards. I thought to myself, so I've dragged it up on top of the dam, flipped it over, and dug a hole and just lived in there for 10 weeks. Many survival experts credit McGee's survival on his instinctively solving the basic requirements of water, food, and shelter, and adopting a survival mindset that pulled him through. We can't leave out Les Hiddens, who is famously known for his expertise in survival research. He actually created the Military Survival Manual in 1987 for the Australian Army. The research that he did turned into the TV series The Bush Tucker Man. Currently, he runs his own website. Another man that must be mentioned is Morris Kachansky, a Canadian bushcraft instructor recognized around the world for his knowledge concerning wilderness survival. He has often been called the modern founder of Northern Bushcraft. He wrote a book on survival and wilderness skills for the Canadian Boreal Forest, which was originally titled Northern Bushcraft, but later was shortened to just Bushcraft. This was his most well-known book, which gave him an international following. I'm sure you've heard of Bear Grylls before because he has a show on National Geographic called Running Wild with Bear Grylls. A show that he had before that was Man vs. Wild. There's also Cody London, who co-hosted a show called Dual Survival, but also has a school called the Aboriginal Living Skills School, celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. London continues to live off the grid to this day. His co-host, David Canterbury, was the author of the bestseller Bushcraft 101 and also has a school called the Pathfinder School. There is Steve Backshaw, best known for his television series Deadly 60, and he's published several novels and children's books, along with being part of numerous expedition teams. We also have to mention Ron Hood, who is a Vietnam vet and started Survival.com which is now considered to be one of the best survival training aids. He also taught wilderness skills at UCLA for over 20 years. Since we're mentioning a lot of television personalities, Ray Mayers actually produced 17 television series focused on bushcraft and extreme survival skills, and also published 12 books. In 1983, he founded Woodlore, Britain's first school of wilderness bushcraft. Another recent personality is Michael Hawk, a retired U.S. Army Special Forces officer who has appeared on several television shows highlighting his survival skills and has also written several books, most notably Foraging for Survival with Douglas Bedreau. 
We, of course, can't forget to mention Survivor Man, Les Stroud, the wilderness guide, instructor, musician, filmmaker, and genius behind quite a few different television programs. I think one he was hunting for Bigfoot. There's also well-known authors like Jamie Maslin, who's also an instructor for the British Bushcraft School, but is most well-known for the innovative method of fire creation by friction. Bradford Angier published over 35 books as a survivalist who focused on how to live with minimal resources. One of his notable books is One Acre in Security. You should check it out. Uh, many people have read this book and created a lifestyle from it where they live organically on one acre of land. John Lofty Wiseman has 14 publications uh, focusing on special air service survival techniques, and he actually became the youngest man to pass selection for the SAS at the age of 18. James Mandeville is also an author and well-known expeditionist who spent 23 years teaching survival training to soldiers in the jungles of South America and Asia. You also have more recent pioneers in bushcraft and survival, like Rudiger Neiberg, who introduced survival training in Europe and is most famous for crossing the Atlantic Ocean in a pedal boat in 1987. Larry Olson founded the Anasazi Foundation, the first accredited outdoor behavioral health care provider. He became a survivalist at its most primitive level and emulated the Anasazi, or ancient ones, and carefully replicated the lifestyle of the primitive Paiutes of the Great Basin Plateau areas of the western United States. He used tools and weapons of stone and bone, digged for roots, trapped game, suffered cold nights without bedding, and hot days without water or even shoes. He also was an author and wrote Outdoor Survival Skills. Now my dad's from New Jersey, so I can't leave this one out. Tom Brown founded the Tracker School in New Jersey. He went on to publish 18 books and spent 10 years living in the American wilderness using exclusively primitive tools. Don't worry, ladies, I'm not going to forget about you. Lisa Fenton, the co-founder of Woodsmoke, a survival school in the United Kingdom, led several expedition trips and often spent weeks or months living in the wilderness to this day. And I love this quote from her. Skilled individuals see rich possibilities in the landscape and its materials. Accessing these possibilities is not only a matter of an external skill, but also the development of inner qualities. If you're looking for a great source of bushcraft and indigenous knowledge, you should check her out. She's hardcore when it comes to bushcraft and survivalism. Now, I know that's a laundry list, but all these people played an important role and each have a legacy story in that role of bushcraft and survivalism, much of which you can catch on television, especially in the show alone. I suggest you check it out. And also, I gave you a long list so you can dive into the rabbit hole of bushcraft and survivalism by checking out each and every one of them. Well, that's it for today's episode of Legacy Story. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider donating. You can donate via Cash App at dollar sign in Financer. And don't forget, half of everything that is donated will go towards a scholarship that will help an underprivileged individual or couple or an individual or a couple who is going through a significantly difficult time in their life. 
and the scholarship will provide financial coaching to hopefully change habits and change their path towards the ultimate goal of financial freedom, personal financial health, and a legacy story of their own. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Plus, don't forget to follow me on social media at Your Legacy Story, except for Twitter, which is The Legacy Story. You can also follow me at Infinancer on all social media. If you are interested in changing your trajectory with regards to personal finance, you can book a free discovery session with me at Infinancer.com. I-N-F-I-N-A-N-C-E-R.com. Until next time, ciao.